hello there, and welcome to episode 24 of Musical Connections. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and we got another great episode lined up for you this week. We're going to be speaking to singer-songwriter, filmmaker, and overall rock and roller, Mike Fisher. He's got a second solo album out now called Diary of a Psychic Vampire. We're going to talk all about that, plus his time building up the punk scene here in Newfoundland and Labrador, to his time working in television, to the group Hammywell, and a whole lot more. We will get to that right after this week's newfound releases, and we are going to start out with Alan Doyle, believe it or not. Alan Doyle, along with the Crow's Nest, put together a song that was recorded back in 1941. And this song was uh, to be featured at the Battle of the Atlantic 80th Anniversary Celebrations in the UK. This song was uh, dating back to one of the most significant battles in World War II. It was wrote by Anthony Patton, who was a Sergeant Lieutenant Commander during that battle. And Alan Doyle, along with the Crow's Nest, put together this song for a brand new recording, which is out right now. This is the Barber Pole song on the newfound releases portion of the Musical Connections podcast. It's way out where the swinging folks will reel From the smoking seas by clear upon the strand It's the great seas that are slipping under keel When we're rolling out, we're bound for Newfoundland From Halifax to Newfoundland, John Cordero is clustered towers By trackless paths where cunning towers roll If you know another group in which you'd sooner spend your hours You'd never sail beneath the barber pole tune for you his collaboration with the crow's nest that is the barber pole song and right now we're going to go to dj alex Byrne. he didn't walk away with any hardware at the east coast music awards but he's still creating some great edm music made out of torbay newfoundland and labrador with a little help from scarlet this is fire on the newfound releases portion of musical connections how can I forget you? Skin to skin, I bet you are feeling just the way I do. Vibing on the dance floor, show me your intention. I like it when you fall. 
with a little help from Scarlet on the newfound releases portion of Musical Connections. That is fire. And now we are going to go to Courtney Wicks. This month, she's going to be dropping her debut album, Love Me. And it is the title of a Colin Ray tune. Here's her take on it now on the newfound releases portion of Musical Connections. read a note my grandma wrote back in 1923 Grandpa kept it in his coat Showed it once to me He said, boy, you might not understand But a long, long time ago Grandpa's daddy didn't like me none but I loved your grandma so We had this crazy plan to meet And run away together Get married in the first town we came to And live forever We nailed to the tree where we were supposed to meet instead of her I found this letter and this is what it said if you get there before I do don't give up on me I'll meet you when my chores are through I don't know how long I'll be but I'm not gonna let you down Darling, wait and see In between now and then Till I see you again I'll be loving you Love me I read those words just hours before my grandma passed away in the doorway of a church where me and grandpa used to pray I know I've never seen him cry in all my 15 years but as he said those words to her his eyes filled up with tears If you get there before I do Don't give up on me I'll meet you when my chores are through I don't know how long I'll be But I'm not gonna let you down Darling, wait and see In between now and then Till I see you again I'll be loving you Love me Courtney Wicks for you on the new fan releases portion of Musical Connections. That is Love Me. And now we are going to go to singer-songwriter Mark Bragg. His EP, Ashes, drops later this month. Right now, here's the second single from that album, This Is Hey Tony, on the new fan releases portion of Musical Connections. 
Yes, it's all for Hey, Tony Hey, Tony Hey, Tony, I'm rising Hey, Tony Hey, Tony Hey, Tony, I rise from the yeses of love Hey, Tony Hey, Tony Hey, Tony, I'm rising I'm rising up in your beyonds But I said Clones are coming through the crust And you're busted You're spraying out All that shit inside your head Brains on the pavement That's butter on my bread That's butter on my bread That's butter on my bread Better get a coat Cause I'm coming over your head The piece is back And it's gonna be fed Hey, Tony, I'm Hey Tony, I'm rising. Hey Tony, hey Tony, hey Tony, I rise from the ashes of love. Hey Tony, hey Tony, hey Tony, I'm rising. Come Tony, 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 take two. Tears on the grave, oh honey, that look good on you. But in your eyes, they were not a, not a, not a what it do. Go poison bars and the day is new. But who that boy? You got a new boy. for you on newfound releases with hey tony and now we are going to go to randy matthews to wrap up this week's edition of newfound releases we're going to get to a tune that was written by tony arada but made famous by garth brooks here's randy matthews now with his take on the dance on newfound releases as part of musical connections Looking back on the memory of the dance we shared beneath the stars above for a moment all the world was right how 
could I have known that you'd ever say goodbye? And now I'm glad I didn't know the way it all would end, the way it all would go. Our lives are better left to chance. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. Holding you, I felt everything. For a moment, wasn't I the king? If I'd only known how the king would fall, hey, who's to say? It might have changed it all, and now that I didn't know. Our lives are better left to chance. I could have missed the pain, but I'd have had to miss the dance. It's my life is better left to chance. I could have missed the pain. I'd have had to miss the Let's go to my conversation now with singer-songwriter and punk rock legend of Newfoundland and Labrador, Mike Fisher. We talked to him all about his brand new album, Diary of a Psychic Vampire, and he's going to be uh, having a few shows here in St. John's, June 3rd at The Ship, and June 4th at Fred's Records. We also talked to him about the groups that he has taken part in, such as the Paul Fenton Group, Reaction, Neon, two-time Music and Award-nominated group Hemingwell, and his time in television, as well as the decision to go solo. Right now, let's get to my conversation with Mike Fisher as we are next to connect with the punk rock legend. Welcome back to Musical Connections. I'm your host, Zach Snow, and joining me right now 
He is one of the pillars of the Newfoundland and Labrador punk rock scene. He formed bands such as Reaction, Neon, as well as playing in bands outside of the province, such as Regina-based band The Toasters, as well as Ottawa-based bands The Sundogs and Paul Fenton Group. He also formed Hammingwell, a prog rock group that dominated here in the early 2000s, which were up for Alternative Artist of the Year at the Music NL Awards two times. And he's also worked in the entertainment sector, in front and behind the camera, as well as some studio work and mixing. And now he has two solo albums to his name, Psyche Punk in 2020, and his most recent release, which dropped a few weeks ago on streaming services everywhere, Diary of a Psychic Vampire. Joining me right now in Musical Connections is the one and the only Mike Fisher. Mike, welcome back to Musical Connections, sir. Well, thank you, Zach, and thanks for your interest. And um, thank you for coming on. Uh, I believe we did something back in December at the Holiday Open House when Muse Gunnell uh, first opened play on Gower, and we did a little some short there. But um, this is really the first time I can really get you on in a more like long interview to really go over your career in uh, further detail because uh, you've done quite a lot in the 40 years you've been in the industry. Yeah, I'm not a young man anymore, but I feel <laughs> young. <laughs> Listen, man, we're all young at heart. I can tell you that right now. So uh, I like to ask this question for all my guests whenever I uh, start an interview here on the podcast. How are things in your world right now, Mikey? Uh, not bad. I had uh, some, you know, private issues that uh, took my attention away, and uh, things haven't been easy on the home front. But uh, I'm not going to get in detail about that. Uh, but musically, I feel very good, and I'm uh, playing with Bob Davis, Jeff White, in my live band. And that's sounding really, really good. And I'm looking forward to doing a few shows. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I've got to thank Bob Davis for, uh, you know, well, being a big part of organizing his interview. I remember I called you uh, about a week or so ago on uh, trying yep. to get you on for uh, to talk about your album. Because me and him were talking about the album, um, and it really was uh, on my radar for newfound releases. And uh, I featured one a couple of weeks ago, and uh, by the time that this airs, would have uh, aired a couple of weeks ago. But um, yeah. It's going to be a really exciting time for you, and especially uh, now that you have this album out, you're going to be going on, on a tour with these guys. Yeah, well, not not a huge... Uh, i only got four dates right now. Um, like, we're just sort of feeling the waters, and uh, we're doing a date in Gander, the Oasis, in May 12th, and we're doing pub night at the Stone Jug and Carbonier, which is kind of fun. I love that restaurant. And uh, that is on May 26th, and that's 7 to 10. Then June 3rd, the ship with uh, Zay Nova and Matt Dines opening for us. And then we're doing an in-store at Fred's Records on June 4th, 1 o'clock. And that'll be just a half-hour set, you know, just to plug the new record. So, and hopefully a few more dates will come out throughout the summer. You know, I'm not really actively searching too much. I just want to make sure we all get along and, you know, because <laughs> people are doing. Yeah, because really in the industry, though, you all really want to get along like, uh, and especially like, you know, with a bunch of egos in the room, you want to make sure you're yeah. on the same page when it comes to, uh, you know, the show that you want to execute. Jeff and I go back, uh, Jeff White, um, go back to like mid seventies and we were lots of bands together and he was in Hammingwell. He was a guitar player. Wow. Now I, Hey, it's time doing the guitar. And uh, so we kind of know each other's, you know, inside out. And Bob, I've known for a long time and jamming them occasionally, but this is the full time thing playing. And uh, he's really keen and doing excellent. Yeah, for sure. I got to see him uh, play a few drums uh, at Music Celebration Week in Cornerbrook. And um, he really enjoys playing the drums, man. And uh, there's one thing that I know about Bob Davis with dealing with him down to VOWR. He really cares a lot. 
Oh yeah. And he lets you know it too. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think if he, if he didn't like what he was doing with me, he wouldn't be doing it. So that's, that's good. You know, I enjoy that. He enjoys it. Exactly. Now um, I want to go back to uh, the start of your career. Um, so what really drew you to music in the first place? Uh, well, I actually grew up in Trenton, Ontario. My dad was there for his mom was from Newfoundland. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So I just, uh, apparently my mom said I used to, uh, you know, uh, watch Dick Clark and dance in front of it. I <laughs> was <laughs> actually, I had interest in drumming. I made my own drum kit out of like a, uh, um, wash basket and, uh, a cookie tin with, uh, uh, a little uh, thing with nails in it, so it's oh, kind of like Yeah, and a birdcage for a cymbal on a uh, camera lighting stand. So uh, I got a real drum kit for Christmas once. That's love. Parents getting their kid a drum kit. Uh, I think I was 10 or 11 or something. I took lessons for a year, and uh, then I wanted to play bass, and I did that. And uh, I was in a couple of loose things in Ontario. Then we moved to Newfoundland in 72. And that's when I met Jeff and uh, Rick, and we started a band called Mainstream, and we were doing covers by uh, Crosby, Stills, Nash and & Young, and a lot of British music like Wishbone Ash and uh, Rory Gallagher and things like that. And um, so that was really my, I always had interest in, interest in bands, I love recording, love the process, love album art, um, you know, just, I, I always had an interest in it. It was a bug, I guess. Listen, because once you get bit by that music bug, there's no turning back, right? That's right. Now, so, uh, uh, too stunned to give it up, I guess. <laughs> Listen, you can't. Yeah. You're, you're not stunned whatsoever. I mean, like, if you love music, follow your dreams, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I realized after this point in my career that, you know, I won't be filling stadiums anywhere, but uh, I can maintain, uh, you know, a certain amount of creative output. And, um, you know, people seem to like it. And uh, I retired from TV last year, so it gives me a lot more time to write and record and, uh, you know, look after the house and the pets and my wife. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, now, I want to go back to um, your, like, really early days uh, being one of the pillars of the Newfoundland and Labrador punk rock scene. Um, you formed one of Canada's earliest punk bands called The Reaction. And uh, so how did they get, so how did that group come together and uh, what made you choose punk music in particular to, you know, focus your uh, career on? Okay. I'll just backtrack a little prior to that. I was in a top 40 band with Jeff and we were called Grange and Hemingwell Grange sometimes, the Led Zeppelin recorded Headley Grange. So that's where Hemingwell came from. Anyway, I'll put that in the back. I, you know, I wanted to move to Toronto and make it big as it were. And that was the late seventies. So I went up there and was in a couple of bands. Uh, one was a uh, another top forty band that was, you know, wasn't really great. Called uh, called the Ritz. I mean, we had fun. We played a lot of places. But during that period, I went to show, a lot of shows in Toronto uh, where uh, punk rock was there, like the Poles and Vile Tones. And I was just uh, interested in the energy of it all. And then uh, I got a call from Rick Harbin, tell me about uh, the first slime gig they witnessed at the university. And uh, there wasn't really a lot of a big punk scene here. You know, those guys, they were the only ones doing it. So I moved back, and I figured, I talked to Rex, said, why don't we start a punk band? And we got Terry Carter, who was a slime member, in. And uh, he came up with the name Reaction. And we did a 45 on world records, and only about 500 copies, I think. But some of them market for uh, a thousand bucks on eBay now. Wow. And 
Yeah, we did a lot of dates, and we did double dates with the slime. But I wanted to do more, so we went out of town and played a lot more and uh, uh, played as far as Halifax and back to Toronto over a three-year period. And um, we never really released any music. We had a lot of recordings, unfortunately, but, you know, there wasn't a lot of money until uh, Jump Ahead to 2005. We did a CD with all the material we ever recorded. So that's where the punk started. Um, I just like the energy of it. Well, I was always kind of a prog rock fan and, you know, like uh, Rush and stuff and uh, early Genesis. So that always seeped in, and Rick was too. So even though we had, like, a lot of high-energy punk, was a bit of progressive undertones to it. Yeah, that's wonderful, man. And uh, it's funny that you mentioned to Slime because they're actually putting out an album for the first time, I believe, in 20 years. And uh, I've seen yeah. uh, stories on that on CBC recently. And uh, it's pretty cool to, to know that, uh, you know, Guys like yourself and especially uh, Wallace Hammond are still going strong today, you know, uh, thriving in the music scene, even though you're not actively playing as much as you used to uh, anymore. Wallace and I, um, we toured a lot together. He was our sound tech as well uh, with Neon, and um, he'll be mixing me at the ship, I believe, when we do our show June 3rd. So we, I keep in touch with him. Yeah, that's wonderful. Now, uh, this is actually my next question. Um, you also formed the band Neon uh, just before uh, you uh, left the province uh I believe it was the uh, 80s or 90s that you left, but we'll get to that later. Um, how did you uh, form the group uh, Neon? Well, Neon started when the reaction kind of uh, ended. <laughs> After Terry Carter left, Dan Ralph was our drummer for a while. And then uh, the last version, Steve Jackson came in and did keyboards. And we didn't do any writing, but we were doing all like sort of ultra rock and that kind of Euro pop sound. Dan moved back to Toronto, reaction was finished. So Steve and I... Um, wanted to start a band and uh sandra my girlfriend at the time sandra sandoval very good vocalist um started a band called cold war did one recording steve left and uh we changed neon and did uh, some covers and another recording and uh steve played on uh, a four song ep we did in the 83 i think it was and uh, so that's where neon came and uh, i kind of ran that uh you know so <laughs> I couldn't go any farther in Newfoundland, really. So I moved back to Toronto after that, which was about 87, I guess, or 85, something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool, man. Um, there is uh, one question uh, that was actually going to be one of my next questions. Um, ask you uh, why you decided to leave Newfoundland and Labrador. Uh, were there, are there any motivating factors that made you want to leave Newfoundland and Labrador and really uh, move back to Ontario? Well, we were trying to do a lot of original music and, and do more recordings. And um, it just seemed to be going nowhere, you know. We're doing covers, and I just, I've done that a lot. And I said, well, you know, we'll, there might be greener pastures away again. So I just said it was time to give it up, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And I found a couple of bands there. Um, I'm writing a book, actually. I got it published, but I've been in so many unsigned bands over the last 30 years and a lot of stories. So anyway, one of those bands <laughs> was called Three Blue Eyes which uh, was Danny's uh, reaction. Danny had a band. And uh, so I played bass with them for a while and guitar. Mm-hmm. And uh, guys from a band called Humphrey Go-Kart found me. Oh, wow. <laughs> and yeah, they were kind of doing a lot of prints and stuff like that. So we played a lot around Southern Ontario. And then that ended. And uh, in between day jobs and cooking, like at the Hard Rock Cafe and stuff, um, I was in a top 40 band called uh, Glorious Doris, and that became November Rain, long before Guns N' Roses. <laughs> <Came out. laughs> 
So basically, Guns N' Roses are infringing on uh, your band. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Oh, <laughs> hang on. Yeah, and uh, but that that band was kind of fun. We played all Eastern Canada, and uh, we even did a, a five week tour of Newfoundland in '88. And uh, so that, you know, we do week long runs in Gander, and uh, there were Pirates Cave outside of Carboneer and things like that. So that, that's why I was still in Toronto. Anyway, um, that ended when I went to out west, and that's when I met the guys from the Toaster, mm-hmm. who were kind of like the top a bit, a little more bluesy, but they were fun. And uh, we didn't do any um, official releases. We did a lot of recording, you know, and uh, some ended up on uh, cassette. <clears throat> and one radio station compilation put out one of our songs. Which I have somewhere. It's called Headline. <laughs> it's you have to dig in there somewhere with all the other albums that you put out over the past couple of, over the like the past forty years. Yeah, yeah, we got so many demos and tapes and stuff. So trying to consolidate all digital now would be easier. Yeah, the Toasters was um, we played about three years. I was a house tech too in a bar called the Regina, um, called the Venue in Regina, and we had a lot of touring bands come through, like Tragically Hip, you know, second tour and. Um, the Proclaimers, just when their big hit came out, and so I was doing monitors a lot for these guys and setting up. So, and then we play a lot of that bar, and we played a little around Saskatchewan. But my uh, my girlfriend at the time wanted to move back to Ottawa or Hull, and um, I told the guys, if you you know if you guys want to quit your jobs and we'll three of us will move to Vancouver and try and go professional, I'll stay. And but they didn't. So. Mm-hmm. Coaster. Although Ron Lewis, good buddy of mine, still playing in Regina. I keep in touch with him on Facebook. Great guitar player. Nice guy. Yeah, for sure. And uh, just to continue on with that thought, um, when you uh, when you spent those 20 years outside the province, um, not only did you play with the Toasters, but you also uh, played in uh, Ottawa-based bands, the Sundogs and the Paul Fenton group. So uh, out of those 20 years that you uh, were out of the province, uh, what do you remember most about those years? Um, well, that's that- one of the key things was when I got to start working in television. That was in Regina. So it was like my, my day job was a TV producer. So that started there. That, that was very important. Uh, in Ottawa, yeah, I met uh, Rick Braden with Sundogs, and that was his band. And uh, he needed a bass player, so uh, we did some gigs around the Ottawa Valley and stuff. And he had some recordings. And then Paul Fenton was a friend of Rick, and... Um, he needed a bass player. He was more blues slide player. So uh, the Sundogs was kind of going nowhere at the time, and Rick seemed, you know, a little directionless. So I went with Paul, and then, uh, you know, about two years, he unceremoniously fired me. So. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, I haven't talked to him since. I think I saw him once when I went back to Ottawa, but uh, that was it. And I was working on TV there in Ottawa too, while playing on the side. Hmm, interesting. Now, um, I actually want to go to that next. Um, tell me a little bit more about how you got involved uh, in the television side of things. Well, back to the Regina late 80s, I was um, working with a sound company and was doing the house decking in the bar. And uh, I ran into two guys who needed, a, they said the local cable station, Regina Cable, needed an audio operator. So I came and volunteered one show and I was hired. And after that experience, I started working with video and editing. And, you know, I was an audio tech for a while, but then I started cutting commercials there. And then when I went back to Ottawa, 
I, uh, again, repeated my steps of working with a sound company called uh, Wall Sound, and we did a lot of big shows um, all around the region, and big, huge candidate concerts, and, you know, Tragic Hip Again, and, uh, you know, Pursuit of Happiness, and a lot of bands like that. And uh, I noticed the um, cable company there needed a master control operator. It was called Skyline Cable, later bought by Rogers. So that's how I got my foot in the door there. And then became producer of the daytime show and, you know, lots of sports. I used to tech all the Ottawa 67's games broadcast. Wow. And yeah, I know a lot. Did all the city councils. And Tom Green was there when I when I was there. But oh, wow. Was, oh, yeah. So, so I was, like, in the uh, doing uh, some Canada city council, and Tom Green was on the cover of Rolling Stone. <laughs> I was like... <laughs> Oh, well, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so I've crossed paths with a lot of people. I'd say. Now, um, you moved back to Newfoundland in the early 2000s, and uh, with uh, Jeff White, you uh, formed the prog rock group Hemingwell. You released two albums, yeah. and you were also up for Alternative Artist of the Year at Music and All Awards uh, two separate times. So um, why move back to Newfoundland and Labrador? And uh, was it at that point you felt like you reached a, like a creative peak? No, it was more of a personal thing. Uh, my mother went on his own. My mother was on her own after my dad passed away. Uh, and my wife was from Nova Scotia, and we had two kids. We wanted to come back and to support her. And uh, I kind of, yeah, I felt Ottawa kind of run its gamut. You know, not much more I could do there. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I contacted Jeff and Steve Jackson from Hemingwell, or from the, well, the Reaction Days and Neon. Uh, joined in and Dave Bailey, who was a drummer with us in the seventies. So we were a four piece for a while and uh, did the two recordings. And uh, the first one warm, yeah, was nominated. We did uh, a huge concert in St. Pierre and George Street Festival and we went to the uh, showcase. I think Music and L was called was called something slightly different, but yeah, it I was can't the, remember. Yeah, it was the Music Industry Association of Newfoundland and Labrador. Yeah, M I A or something or yeah, M-I-N-L or, yeah. But, uh, yeah, and then the second one, Steve moved to England to teach. And we got Dave's brother, uh, Eric Bailey, in to do all the lead vocals. And that, that album was called In the Box. And uh, I think we were nominated for the album cover, which I designed on that one. I don't know what the record was. but uh, And then we just played around, like, from early 2002. Probably 2006 was the last show we did and um because the reaction you know rose from the dead again with the cd i mentioned earlier so i did a little mini tour with rick and uh, uh danny ralph came down and played and um another guitar player uh, i can't remember his name right now it'll come to me in a bit yeah that's awesome brother now um of course uh, you mentioned uh you worked in television you worked in music you worked in uh, front and behind the camera um Tell me a little bit of, uh, about uh, some of the other projects that you've worked on over your career, and uh, what one are you most proud of? I guess the uh, you know uh, Peaks and Reaction, the first Hammingwell record. Um, also for video, my wife and I we do a series called Tales from the Mist, Newfoundland Ghost Stories. Oh wow! And we, yeah, we've done uh, three episodes and uh, on YouTube. We did one with all Bell Island, but I didn't put that one up because the fellow over there, you know, owned a lot of the actors and stuff. Well, didn't own the actors, but you know what I mean? He, he put it together. So, um, that during the pandemic, my, uh, 
Hailson was too had close uh, hundred thousand views, I guess, and uh, really picked up. So we're thinking to do another one next year. And the beauty of that is I can do the music for it as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so just re- retelling a ghost story, you know, like uh, ghost ships and haunted houses and stuff. So that's fine. Really proud of that. Yeah, that's my own project. We did a couple of short films. I've done some music videos for myself, and uh, you know, but I think Tales from the Mist is my most out of music thing I'm excited about. That's wonderful, brother. Now, um, after 40 years in the game, you finally released your own solo project in 2020. Of course, it's called Psyche Punk, and uh, it was released in June 2020. And it was around that time that uh, we were really uh, just starting to get into the thick of the COVID-19 pandemic. So uh, why wait so long now to release a solo project, and why during that time? Well, uh, it all, like for years I was a bass player, and uh, I found that every band I was in, I tended to do a lot of the organization and arranging and, uh, you know, getting the gig done. So finally I'm thinking I should do something on my own, and I uh, really started to play guitar seriously, probably about 2019. And I went and did a lot of open mics to get my confidence up. And I found I was singing better while playing guitar and uh, always writing. So I said, uh, I applied for a grant from uh, Arts and L. And I wanted to do vinyl only. And uh, that all came together just when the pandemic hit. <laughs> so I had the album and was going to do a release show and the ship. Uh, that everything was put on hold, of course. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, we didn't, uh, I didn't really play much. And uh, I finally did, I think, last summer at the um, Black Sheep for the Suggy Punk record, <laughs> uh, you know, two two years later. But uh, anyway, I got a lot of vinyl, so hopefully I can sell a few shows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, of course, uh, you mentioned the uh, open mic nights that you played down at the ship. Uh, and uh, you're pretty much a regular at that uh, for a good couple of years now. So how did you get involved with that? Well, through Music and L, um, well, first I was doing the open mics at the uh, Black Sheep, and um, that was a really good response. And then Music and L, I've always been a member. They pick one night a month where they pay $100. So I put my name forward to that. So it was, you know, fairly good. You're one-third entertainer, one-third sound man, one-third MC. And uh, so I did about, uh, I guess, yeah, about, Seven of those over two years, maybe. And, wow. Uh, it, it's good to try new material and just boost confidence and see if a song will work. And, you know, and uh, you know, my guitar playing was always improving. So not that I'm a guitar hero yet, but I can hold my own now. Absolutely, man. And um, you have brand new material, which actually led to your second album, which dropped on streaming services a couple of weeks ago. And you'll once again, you'll be going on tour uh, to promote this album over the next couple of weeks here. Uh, the second album is called Diary of a Psychic Vampire, and it actually featured the title track on New Family Releases a couple of weeks ago. So uh, oh, thank you. Wh- what are some of the similarities and differences between this album and the first one that you put out? Um, Psychic Punk was a little more hard-edged and more of a punk flavor, because I figured that would appeal to reaction fans. Uh, this one is a little more laid back, I like to call it a cross between Genesis and the Tragically Hip. So it's definitely got guitar rock edge with his column Bruce Lockhart play keyboards on a few songs and just got a little more uh, melody to it than just sort of angry screaming, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's, yeah. That's wonderful, brother. Now, um, of course, uh, what's going to be next for you is uh, you're going to be promoting this uh, 
with a couple of shows uh, across the province. Of course, uh, June 3rd, you're here in St. John's at the Ship with, uh, of course, Zynova yep. and Matt Dines. And, of course, Matt Dines is with Hurricane Music. is doing some press for you there. And you're also going to be uh, yep. launching uh, the record at Fred's June the 4th with an in-store performance there. And that's sure to be a good yep. time. So, uh, so uh, when can people uh, see you during these shows, uh, aside from the ones I just mentioned uh, in St. John's? Oh, okay. Um, well, uh, Oasis and Gander on May 12th. And that will be kind of a mix of originals and covers. So, you know, you've got to keep the bar people happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then uh, the Stone Jug and Carboneer on May 26th. And that's a 7 to 10. It's called Pub Night. So they wanted, they gave me the option to do a big concert upstairs. I'm like, no, I don't think enough people know me right now. They like sell tickets and stuff. You know, we're not Shannon Ganock, you know. So. Bar <laughs> 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 and uh, they'll hear what we're doing. And, you know, then next time we go back, maybe we can do a bigger night or something. But I kind of like the idea of ending at 10 o'clock, you know. So. Yeah, because th- that way people can go home and, you know, have a nap for uh, the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I look closer to uh, Carbon Air now anyway, so it's not too far away. Yeah, for sure. Um, and uh, I would say, like, the people that you, you know, came up from music with and uh, that generation will probably know you. But I think my generation probably wouldn't know you as much as, say, you know, I would know you or probably, probably like a Greg Smith would know you. But um, hopefully you can reach out to all uh, ages and, uh, you know, get a great show out of it and great, get a great tour out of it, too. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping, and uh, you know, uh, hopefully a few more dates will materialize over the summer. I like to do more of a you know concert type settings, but again, you gotta you know gotta be in the right place, right time, and uh, hopefully Hurricane Music can help me out a little bit there down the road. Um, yeah, no, I, I you know there are people who know what I'm doing who are a lot younger than me, so hopefully I can reach a few more and uh, you know keep the other fans happy. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, um, of course, I got to give a shout out to Matt Dines and David Shears of Hurricane Music. They're really starting to build a nice roster. Of course, they got with Violet, of course, uh, led by Peter McDonald and Sarah Newell, and then Baraka, yeah. an R&B artist here in the province. And then the big one I found uh, really uh, took him over the top is going to take him over the top is Rosemary Lawton. Of course, she was previously oh, okay. with Citadel House, and uh, now she's making some magic with uh, Shearsy and, uh, and Dines. I mean, they're yeah. going places, man. Yeah, no, I know uh, Rosemary, so she's excellent. <laughs> yeah, so I hadn't signed with Hurricane, but Matt was very keen. She, well, I worked with his mother, too, at uh, Rogers TV, so uh, not that, you know, that had anything to do with it, but he, he was well aware of me. Uh, and so he, he said, y'all come on board and help me with media. And, uh, you know, one step at a time. So he did a, a very good job of reaching out to people. Absolutely. Now, we're going to play uh, one of the songs off the album in just a moment. But for people who want to find out more about shows that you got coming up or any uh, more content you're com- you're going to be putting out soon, uh, where can people find you? Well, uh, a couple places. Uh, my website is called um, Mike Fisher Psyche Punk, all one word. And that's my way, a main website with uh, tour dates and, uh, you know, any news, really. And uh, I also have a Bandcamp page. And uh, so Mike Fisher Bandcamp One, I believe it's called, or Mike Fisher One Bandcamp. I can't think of it right now. And of course, uh, the new album's all on the streaming sites. And uh, I'm going to get Psyche Punk uh, back up there after about a month or two. And I want to say the uh, CD is actually at Fred's now, even though we're doing the in-store June 4th. But Matt suggested we get a few copies on hand in case people walk in. I think you you saw it there. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Well, Mike Fisher, thank you so much for joining yeah. me on the Musical Connections podcast. 
congratulations again on the release of Diary of a Psychic Vampire. And hopefully I get to see you at one of those shows uh, in St. John's, June 3rd and 4th. You have a wonderful day, and thank you for joining me on Musical Connections. Well, thanks so much, Jack, and you uh, keep up the good work. There we go. That was my conversation with Mike Fisher. You can get his brand new album, Diary of a Psychic Vampire, wherever you stream your music, and at Fred's Records. Right now, here's one of those tracks from that new record. This is Roadside Shrine on the Musical Connections podcast. I see them drive
Well, that is going to wrap up another edition of Musical Connections. Thank you all so much for tuning into this week's episode. I certainly hope you enjoyed the tunes and that conversation with Mike Fisher. Big thank you to him for joining me on the podcast. And thank you to all the musicians who sent me music for this week's newfound releases. Next week's episode is going to be jam-packed, but um, I just want to let you know that in two weeks' time, I'm going to be speaking to another guy who had an album drop recently, singer-songwriter Ian Foster. We talk about his new album, Close to the Bone, plus the amount of artists that he's worked with, plus working with his partner, Nancy Hines, and a whole lot more. So that drops in two weeks' time on May 23rd. But next week's podcast, I am so excited to have on the podcast, two-time Grammy Award winner and proprietor slash owner of Silly Cove Records in the Trinity Hall, Greg Wells. We talk about the upcoming grand opening of Trinity Hall, which uh, by the time that that drops will be in about three days time. So I'm really excited and a big thank you to him for being uh, one of my guests on Musical Connections. That drops next Tuesday, May 16th. Of course, new episodes of Musical Connections drop every Tuesday at 12 noon, Newfoundland Standard Time, on Apple, Spotify, and wherever you get your podcast. And if you have new music or would like to be a guest, email me, musicalconnectionsnl at gmail.com. Thank you so much for connecting again this week. I've been your host, Zach Snow. Stay safe and please be kind to one another. And until next time, safe home. <laughs>